Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Trip Lanier. Trip is a professional coach who works with people all over the world to help them get out of the rat race, become an authority in their field, and make a great living doing the work they were meant to do. He's also the host of the New Man podcast, Beyond the Macho Jerk and the New Age Wimp, where he interviews experts and authors from all walks of life. Thank you so much, Trip, for coming on the show today. Thanks, Christopher. I appreciate it. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and the work you do and how you got into it? Mm, uh, let's see. I was um, grew up in a small town, went to art school, uh, started a business five months out of graduating from school. I was in media production. I had no idea what I was doing, but I figured it out. I, I did that company for about 12 years and I got a taste of success. I got a taste of, hey, what, what does it mean to have plenty of money in the bank? And I basically was doing the four-hour work week thing before Ferris ever was kind of on the map. And, and I was like, well, wait a second, there's got to be something more here. And I went through a big, uh, through a series of events, I went through a big, um, just a transition in my life, like who I was becoming. I just got out of this mold that I had, I had stuck myself into and it was like, had everything kind of ripped off. And I was like, well, geez, like, what do I really want to do with my life? Who do I, who am I really? And what do I really want to do? And started getting into personal development and spiritual development. And, um, this was all basically in the closet because people around me didn't think that stuff was really cool. And I was afraid if people knew what I was into, they'd think I was a freak. So I had this split life of going on meditation retreats and all this kind of stuff and then come back and have the life that I was in. I was in a band. I had this, I just felt really fragmented and really split. Um, and had the house and the car and the girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, you know what? I, I didn't sign up for this. This, this is happening and I'm really fortunate. And, but this isn't what I really signed up for. And, um, through another series of events, I essentially sold that business and moved to Boulder and wanted to do something where I felt that I was doing something really that actually made an impact that meant something that was meaningful, that was aligned with who I was. Uh, and what I, what I really believed in, I, I was really in touch with my mortality, like shit, what do I, I don't want to wait till one day and then do the good stuff. I want to do that now. And, um, coaching was just happening. It was natural. And I, I just like, well, I guess I can make a living doing this. And uh, I've been doing the coaching thing for over 12 years and essentially helping people like me that are just like, I don't want to do the herd thing. I don't want to just follow the herd. I don't want to be another sheep. And I'm also getting tired of this whole rat racer thing of, of just more, 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 more. I want to do something. I want to play my own game. Um, and so those are the guys that I tend to help. And those are the, the people that click with the message that I have. That's awesome. I want to talk about both these things. But before I do, you said you want to get into the good stuff. What does that mean? What, or what does that mean to you? I think there's more to life than just chasing more, more shit, more money, more ass, more. There's a, there's a, there's a belief that, and I actually think it's rooted in a survival mechanism, which is if I don't get more, something's going to catch me. I'm going to, I'm going to end up feeling scared or whatever. So we're kind of outrunning who we've been. I'm going really deep here really fast, but it's, it's it, a, a lot of times we're just kind of like, I've got to make sure I'm not a loser. I felt like a loser when I was in middle school. I felt like a loser at some point and I'm never going to go back there. Or maybe I never felt like a loser, but I'm terrified of becoming that. So in a lot of ways, we're not moving towards necessarily what we want. We're just trying to make sure what we don't want 
uh, we're trying to ensure that that doesn't happen. The bad stuff doesn't happen. So we just are trying to outrun it and outrun it. So it can look like great success on the outside, but in my own life and in the people that I've worked with, and these are guys all up and down. I mean, I've worked with a billionaire. I've worked with multimillionaires and really successful people that have clawed their way to the top of their professions. And then they get there and they're like, they're still empty. They're still, and the reason why is they haven't moved towards the thing they want. They've moved, they've just been moving away from the thing that they've been trying to avoid. And so I, I, I help people figure out, hey, look, is your life really on track to move towards the thing that you want? Or are you just getting exhausted running away from something? Yeah, it's true. And uh, I mean, I definitely have felt it. I remember in my early 20s, I'd been kicked out of the house. I started uh, started working, stumbled around a lot, and then eventually got in the car business. And I started selling cars and, because I had an uncle of mine who had done it, and he was more successful than anybody I'd met at that point in my life. And I mean, the first year I made 35 grand, the second year I made 60, third year I was making eight grand a month, and and I, and I quit for a while and then came back and after my dad had died and I was helping with the family and I was making seven to 12 grand a month at 22. That's a lot of fucking money. And I compared to my friends who were making four or 500 bucks a month. <laughs> and I, I think I was driving a Porsche or BMW at the time. And, and, uh, not that I even wanted that, but like I came across one and ended up with one. And I mean, I had like, I, I was in a financially in a really great situation for some of my age. And, and I remember looking around this this showroom I was working in, and I thought, "Do I want to spend my entire life in prison in this box?" And the answer was no. <laughs> and so I, I, yeah, I decided. I mean, I was at an age where I was like, "Fuck it, I just, I, I don't want to do this." Especially having had my dad just died. You talked about mortality. My dad had died like within the previous year, and I just thought he lived till he was forty seven, forty eight years old. I just might not have very much time on the planet. And and so that made me uh, make some changes that have had a massive impact on my life. And I also think about somebody that I coached. I was coaching a guy who was from one of the wealthiest families in the world. And I won't say because people will know who, know who it is. And, uh, and he told me this story. He said, you know, I'm friends with some of the most powerful people in the world. And um, they run the city. I mean, I live in New York City. It's a, And if you're in top of New York, you're, you're doing fairly well for yourself. And he said, uh, a lot of them were some of the most insecure people you could possibly meet. And he was talking about how their insecurities, he described it, but also talked about how their insecurities drove their success, their need to, their feeling of inadequacy and the need to be accepted. And he also talked about how that led to some really unhealthy relationships. He said a lot of them had some of the worst relationships of any people he knew. And, um, but yeah, so I, I hear you is what I'm saying. <laughs> I definitely I definitely hear you. You talked a little bit about, or you mentioned the rat race, and let's talk about that. Can you expand on what that means to you? Uh, rat race just essentially is more of that, I got to get more. It doesn't matter, you know, if we come back to what somebody's experiencing in any given moment, right? So I'm in my job. And it's like, man, if I could just get to this point, then I'd be good. And then they get to that point and they're still not good. So the answer is like, well, it must be more. I must need more then. If I'm still not feeling, if I still feel trapped, if I still feel drained, if I still feel stressed out, if I still feel like I don't really have anybody in my life that really loves me or really gets me, then more. I must need more. I must not have enough. So let's go get some more. And 
that mentality, plus there's people that will prey on that. I mean, the whole corporate environment is, is based on feeding us that idea that if you just work more and you, and you move up this ladder, then, then all your dreams will come true kind of thing. And, and so I think it just comes back to our awareness of, okay, wait a second. If I'm still feeling trapped, if I'm still feeling drained, if I'm still feeling stressed, if I still feel isolated, I don't have good friendships, I don't have a good relationship, then is more of the shit that I'm doing really going to make the difference? And a lot of times we get so myopic and we're so in that, we're so focused on that thing that we're trying to do. We get attached to that vision. We get attached to that path that we never really zoom out and say, well, wait a second, what actually has me feel free? What actually has me feel alive? What actually has me feel at peace? What actually has me feel more connected? We may start to see that it's not the rat race. It's not the more, more, more stuff. And that, that stuff can be fun. I'm not, I don't have a problem with people that work in that environment and enjoy it, but it's not if we're feeling the opposite of what we want, which is freedom, aliveness, peace, and love, if we're not feeling those things, we're not cultivating those experiences, then we have to look at, we have to look out and say, wait a second, something's off here. Let me go cultivate those experiences instead. And you might find that it's not the rat race. You might find that that's where you start to deviate from the herd. That's where you, you may realize I've created a box for myself, as you said, and this isn't where I want to live because it's not what's most fulfilling and most rewarding. Consciousness. <laughs> well, just awareness, right? Yeah. If, if, if our awareness is outside, okay, what's everybody else doing? Okay, that guy's doing this and this guy's doing that. I got to make sure I'm better than that guy. I got to make sure I'm better. Like, I should be over here. And it's all this external measurement, comparison stuff, and that's how we gauge where we should be in our life and what we're doing. Then you're, you, you, you're essentially driving around without any, you know, you can't see the gauges on your dashboard. So you start to rip the tape off of the, the duct tape off, your, off of the gauges on your dashboard. You start to figure out where you're going, what you're doing. Say, wait a second, this is what works for me. It may not work for other people, but this, this does. And then we've got, then we're up against the challenge of like, shit, do I have the guts to really go for what I want? Do I have the guts to really be who I am in this lifetime instead of who I think I'm supposed to be? Uh, it's awesome. You, you said freedom, alive, love. Was there a fourth one? Freedom, aliveness, peace, and love. So peace of mind. Okay. I want you to describe what those each mean to you. Freedom is the, for me, is not just the, oh, I can go do whatever I want whenever I want. It's, it's really the freedom to be whoever we are. So if you think about who you're, who you're, the role you're playing in order to be successful, so you go to a a dinner with these people from work and you've got to make sure you're, you're acting a certain way and you can't say this and you can't say that and you got to wear this and you can't wear that. That's where we start to play these roles and we, we contort ourselves in order to be liked, in order to be accepted. And I think deep down what we most want is to be in relationships and to be in circumstances where we don't feel that pressure, that domestication. And so that freedom comes from, hey, I get to just be me. I get to be who I truly am. And I'm still going to be loved. I'm still going to be accepted. I'm still going to be affirmed, right? So I would say that that's, that's what I talk about more when I talk about freedom, not just kind of that early 20s, like, look, you, I'm going to do whatever I want anytime I want kind of thing. And that's, that's fine. You get, but you'll, you'll start to realize there's, there's, a, there's a flip side to that kind of hedonistic outlook on life. I think it's just, it's a, it's just a balance, right? I don't know. Anybody I've ever talked to, I was I had fun in my twenties. I was in a rock band and I had plenty of money and <laughs> you can imagine where that goes. So it was just I got to do whatever I want whenever I wanted, but that didn't mean that I was fulfilled. It didn't that didn't mean that I was necessarily fulfilled. And in it in a what I've noticed was that after a certain point in and how I was living, I wasn't actually at peace. I wasn't at peace because I was 
you know, trying to outrun shit and like, oh my God, I'm feeling like crap and it's another day or I'm waking up at noon or it's, it's, there's just, you have to be really in touch with these experiences in the body and say, well, am I happy? Is this working for me? And we start to realize, well, just because I thought I would like this doesn't mean I necessarily will. So we have to check in. Is this what's working for me? And hell, it might work for a weekend. Great. But if it starts to become the norm, shit, all you got to do is watch the Boogie Nights and the other movies where people just go on this freaking hailstrom of, of uh, you know, hedonism. And you start to realize, okay, well, that's not, that doesn't really work because um, it doesn't create that lasting sense of peace and that lasting sense of fulfillment. I mean, when I was younger, I definitely, and even I catch myself now, like, suppression compartmentalization withdrawal right and i found that i've had to they're, they're all sort of mechanisms for sort of like dealing shit i don't want to deal with and and uh, or don't think that i can and so one of the things i've had to do is learn to to connect to my emotions connect with my body if i can meditate <laughs> right like feel like feel those emotions because you're because the, the body tells us a lot of what we need to know Right. It's That's your inner guidance system, right? If you're in your head, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I should do. That's the domestication, right? That's the script. Okay, I wear these clothes. I will look like a fucking moron, but that's what, a, that's what everybody else is doing, so I don't, I'm not a moron. But it's, if you come back to how you actually feel in these situations and you check in, right? You've got to, that's a form of meditation. You just come back to your self-awareness. Does so is this really work? Is this where I'm excited? Is this where I feel most at ease? Is this where I feel connected? Is this where I feel free to be me or am I just so, am I looking around worried like who's going to, who's going to criticize me? So you, that self-awareness is key. That's your inner guidance system instead of, okay, good. I look like every other moron in the room. I must be on track. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, it's funny. I, I've, I've talked about this like sort of at length in various conversations and like just the ar how arbitrary clothes are. Like in the sense that like, why do we wear suits as opposed to like sweats at formals, right? Like somebody decided this, it became a norm and then we sort of became conditioned to do it. And uh, I mean, there is a role of that in our society, right? But um, but figuring out like what feels comfortable for you. I'm a Lululemon shorts and t-shirt type of guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I generally don't wear socks with my shoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I live at the beach, so I know something's wrong if I'm wearing pants. Like, whoa, wait a second. What's going on here? You know? Yeah, that's right. It's right. something's, something's off track if I'm having to wear pants. I, I'm in the same boat. I'm actually just got a little colder in New York City. So as we're having this conversation, I'm wearing sweats and I'm thinking, I need to get the hell out of here. And, and so I'm already planning my escape to Santa Monica this winter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, That's still cold for me. Santa it? Monica's a little chilly. Yeah. Where, sure. where, where do you like to be? Oh, I'm a tropics guy. Are I you? like to be sweating. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. You mentioned peace and fulfillment. Um, can you talk about how those are connected? They're different pieces. I, I think of fulfillment is this umbrella. So when people say, I guess I'm fulfilled, they don't really know. Right. But if you, if you start to divide it just into these four groups, right, freedom, aliveness, peace, and love, then you can be like, okay, well, Hey man, I've got the freedom to go do whatever I want. I'm feeling alive Man, this is great. I got these great relations, but something, something's off. That's something off. Something's off means that you're not really feeling fulfilled. And that, so that last one might be just that peace of mind. So I might, I might be avoiding something in my life. I might not be dealing with the grief of my lost parent, or I might not be dealing with, um, you know, that a relationship that went sour and it's still kind of gnawing at me or whatever. So I can look at my life and I can do these comparisons thing, but I think it's really helpful to have that, that awareness of these four different areas and say, okay, peace is, uh, you know, when I, my pillow hits the head at night and it's like, yes, 
You know, are you ready to die? I don't, I don't want to die, but are, do you feel like you've, you're living on that track instead of one day, right? Are you avoiding something and hoping that this thing doesn't come around and, you know, jump out of the toilet one morning and bite you on the ass? It's, it's finding those, those places that, that have us just say, ah, things are as they, as they should be, like that, how I feel, where I feel this sense of wholeness and completeness. Um, and we often find that peace isn't on the other side of like some huge accomplishment, like it's one and done. It's, it's usually when we let go of expectations about how we're supposed to be. It's when we let go of, well, I've, I've got to be the greatest guy at this, or I've got to be this, we put these lots of pressure on ourselves. And I found that peace is when we start to let go of those scripts. Um, that's where we find that the peace is just, can I simply be here as I am today? Can I accept who I am? Can I love who I am? as I am today. And that's really hard for some guys because they're, they're, like I said, they're trying to outrun that guy. They're trying to outrun. There's something they, they find disgusting about themselves. So they're working really hard to cover that up and say, see, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Um, but the peace is when we reclaim that part of ourselves. When we, you call it shadow. Um, for me, it's that dorky nine-year-old kid that, that was when moved to a new school and felt like an outcast and didn't want to go to school and stayed at home and got fat and, you know, felt like a wimp because he wouldn't follow through with things and, and felt pushed around like that, that part I was, I remember I, I can look back and be like, I'm never going to be that kid again, but trying to outrun that, I doesn't bring me peace when I can go back and be like, okay, I love you too. I love this part of me too. That's where I feel more of that ease and that, that, that peace. And that is the pathway to greater fulfillment. Where did you get that term shadow? Oh geez, it's been around. Carl Jung, all the all the you know go go way back into the the, the uh, psychology and it's the parts that we've disowned. Um, I, I'll be I'll be I'll be lovable and I'll be acceptable once I get rid of this part. Once once we hide this part. Yeah, it's it's come up in a few different places. I was just curious where where you pulled it from. Uh, it's a great term. I've done a lot of therapy. I live with a therapist. You know, you study this stuff and and I know that when I'm coaching somebody, I, that I'm I've got an eye for it, uh, knowing that essentially why they're hiring me is because they want to get rid of that thing or they want to outrun it. And I know that ultimately if we're going to do good work, we've got to bring that part into the light. Um, if, if we're going to really have any, any kind of lasting sustainable success. Can you expand what that means? Like what does it mean to bring a shadow into the light? To own it like I just did, right? To just, instead of, I don't want to see that part of me. I find that part despicable. It's let's get curious. Let's see, who, who is this person? Who is this part of me? Um, what's he need? What's he like? Um, and so, I mean, it's like every time I do some personal work, I go and, like, I find another person, like, God damn, another version of me back there? Like, I've, I've cut him off? And uh, it's like, oh, yeah, you go and reclaim him, and like, oh, man, he was, he was doing the best he could. He was 12 years old. He was 9 years old. He was 6 years old. He was 20 years old. Like, whatever it is, we, we have these humiliating moments and we've decided that's not me i can't stand that part of me and i'm going to cut it off and then our whole life becomes a, a reaction to and a, and a covering up of that but you know you go back you get curious this is why you do therapy uh, if you really are interested in becoming more powerful then it's not power's not on the other side of cutting off parts of ourselves power's a result of reclaiming parts of ourselves and so it's just a matter of like okay here it is here's this part of me i can't at one point I couldn't stand, but now I realize it's who I am. I feel sorry for him. He needed help. He didn't have that support back then. Of course, how, how, how was he going to do better than that? 
That's great. I mean, I love what you're talking about. That's sort of what I was alluding to when I mentioned uh, compartmentalization. Yeah, and you and you'll find that and you'll find that um, once you start to reclaim these parts, you realize you have less to prove anymore. You're and you might realize like, why am I with this woman? Why am I in this job? Why have I why have I chosen to do some of these things in my life that are just a pain in the ass? Oh, it's because I was trying to I was trying to cover up for this thing. Well, once this thing doesn't need to be covered up anymore, once I accept it, then I don't need this this woman in my life to prove I'm okay. I don't need this job to prove I'm not a loser or whatever it might be. And you start to realize you, you, that you've got a lot more options available to you. I think I interrupted you, but go ahead. That's all good. <laughs> I love what you're saying. You mentioned being alive. Can you talk about what that means to you? I think aliveness um, is that place when we're we're not stuck in our so if, okay so I'm gonna get a little nerdy here imagine a imagine a graph and a line going up at a 45 degree angle right underneath that line that's at a 45 degree is our is our comfort zone it's where we've got certainty it's where we know what's gonna happen day in day out we can get into our routine and da 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 and everything's feeling safe and fine and that's great that's not where we feel alive. Right. On the other side of that line is what's uncertain, right? Which is, and that might be the farther up, the farther away from that line as you go up is where we get terrified and overwhelmed and holy shit, I'm way out of my comfort zone and I can't handle this. But if you think about it, there's a, there's a sweet spot in there in the middle. Stephen Kotler says that that's where we, where we experience flow is just when we're just stretching over that part of our comfort zone where it's like, I think I can do this. I'm not quite sure. And when we got a little skin in the game, that's where we feel alive. When there's just a bit of risk, it's like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? I'm not sure. That's where the fun is. That's where we feel alive, where there's a bit of uncertainty, but not too much. And so if we design our lives, most of us are addicted to comfort. Most of us are just trying to escape anything that feels like uncertainty or discomfort or effort or any kind. Well, then it gets flat. And we're like, well, shit, I got, I've worked really hard to have all this comfort and my heated steering wheels and my fucking AI-assisted driving. And, all and now it's like I'm bored out of my mind. Well, you took your hands off. Like, you're not driving anymore. You're not taking any risks. You're not hitting the throttle every once in a while. Like, let's see what happens when I do this shit. Like, the, you need a little bit of that in our lives. We need, to, we need, even if we're in a long-term relationship, we need things to mix up a little while, every once in a while to be like, oh, what's happening here? I'm not quite sure. And that stokes a fire. So that's where I believe that we feel most alive when a little part of us is at risk of death. Now, I'm not talking about physical death necessarily. That certainly helps. And you can see why people get addicted to adrenaline stuff. But I think that when we put our egos on the line, our self-image on the line from time to time, that's where we get excited. And it's like, oh, I can't believe I did this. But man, now I feel so alive. Can you think of a place where you do that in your life? Uh, I could do it with my coaching clients where I was like, oh shit, I can't, I, I'm, am I really going to ask this question? Am I really going to push them in this way? He might fire me. I might get fired. I made a vow. I make a vow with all of my coaching clients that I'm willing to be fired in any coaching session. And there's times when I get off those calls and my heart is just racing. <laughs> and it's like, well, they may not, they, we may not be talking next week, but that, that serves them. Another place where I felt alive, like I did rally cross driving school over the summer and it's just like chucking a car down the hill sliding down gravel is just one wonderful way to feel alive i go surfing uh trying new things sexually with my wife 
like, oh, my God, what if she's going to think I'm a freak if I bring this up? And what shit, we've been together, I don't even know how many years now, eight, 14 years. So it's like, you got to you gotta find those places where you're, you're, you're creating new territory, new space. And we don't know what's going to happen, but that's where the juicy stuff is. Dating coach Chris Thoney here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. It's funny, when I, when I think about it, I think about this a little differently. Um, like in my own life, I think about, and I totally get the lens that you're looking through, and, it's a, and I don't want to explore it. Um, it's interesting. But for me, I've, I've realized that I feel most alive when I'm fully present. And when I say fully present, I'm present and I'm uh, embodied, and, and often that means that I'm triggering the people around me. <laughs> <laughs> or activating not it's not intentional it's just like if i'm not restraining myself then um or i'm less inhibited i'm going to say something or do something if i'm being myself uh then it's going to have an effect on the people around me <laughs> and uh that line between between there and being vulnerable when i let that affect me um i let that emotion or those responses sink in and it's hard because my instinct is to withdraw or compartmentalize or um suppress right and and sort of take a step back but living on that line between being present and vulnerable for me is where i feel most alive i think i think that jives with everything right that we're talking about here which is i don't know what's going to happen here i don't know how i'm going to be received here but i'm going to i want to expose myself and i'm opening myself up to what could possibly be a hit right yeah it's scary it's it takes fucking bravery and uh but i realized that as a man that's where the way that I want to show up in my relationships, um, with my work, with, with my partner someday with my wife and kids like that, like that is how I want to show up. And in a certain ways, uh, or I, I guess I can see a direct parallel to what you're describing. Like when you're coaching your clients, right? Like it's that same type of thing. Like, should I say this? I'm going to say it. <laughs> you say it and then you're fucking feeling vulnerable and scared. Yeah. <laughs> Just open the... myself up to an attack or a rejection or judgment. And, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And they may, they may do that. But there's a, there, I think where the peace comes from is, you know what? I'm living with integrity. I'm not playing a role in order to be liked and accepted. Um, I'm, I'm giving myself the freedom to show up and I'm letting other people be adults and take care of themselves and we're, and trust that we can work it out, that this will deepen our relationship and this will deepen our trust. And so if you, you can look at it through that lens and see where there's, it, every time we're up against that edge is an opportunity to create greater freedom, aliveness, peace, and love. 
if we shrink away from that edge, then we're essentially in a defensive posture. We're in a fear-based place. And that's where we zap our life energy. That's where things get flat. We get, we get fragile. I don't know how many 45, 50-year-old guys that are, quote, successful, that are just the biggest pussies I know. They've got all this money, all these resources, all these connections, and they're afraid to take chances in their lives now. They're afraid to leverage any of the things that they've created because they've gotten so used to having so much comfort, they've convinced themselves that they can't do without it. Yeah, it's funny. It makes me think of this quote. I don't know who said it, but something to the effect of like, if you're not liberal when you're young, you don't have any heart, and if you're not a, if you're not conservative when you get older, you don't have a a brain or a head or whatever. And uh, yeah, as we acquire things, we start to fear loss. When we have nothing, there's nothing to lose. I don't mean mean for this to be a, a political argument. It's it's really a, like a philosophical argument, and um, I think it's really interesting. I I have a question. Do you think it's ever appropriate to withdraw? Withdraw from what does that mean? The idea of being alive and uh, being or being present and being vulnerable, and that's where I feel the most alive. And how I don't want to suppress or compartmentalize or withdraw. But do you ever think that there are appropriate times to withdraw? Yeah, I don't think there's any hard and fast rules here. I think that that and I, if you you got to be careful because a lot of guys are just wanting to find the way. Teach me how to be a man. Teach me how to be charismatic. Teach me how to do this. Teach what's the thing, right? So I'm successful. Because they want to set it and forget it. They want a set of rules. This is great. I don't have to fucking think about this anymore. I can just go on autopilot and I'm done. And we got to just let that go. Everything we're talking about here with this internal guidance system, the emotional stuff being present, it's like there's no set it and forget it. And with this circumstance, it's 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 when you lean in. And this other circumstance, you know what? The right thing to do is to is to is to withdraw. Um, so we've, we've got to be willing to just let go of this. Okay, give me the rules and I'll memorize the rules and then I'll be done. I won't have to think about this anymore. And like, like that's how we shrink back into that calcification, that, that comfort zone is like, oh, great. I don't have to use my brain. So I say it's moment to moment and it's different for every guy. And they, they become, yeah. And they become the authority in their own world instead of, yeah, I, I listened to this podcast and I figured out the rules and now I'm done. <laughs> Dude, sorry that's working I, I agree I mean I, I find that every once in a while I still have to withdraw for self-care and um now right, so if you so meditate, I'll you, sir. yeah yeah so it's like I, I'm not having peace right now so I'm withdrawing I'm gonna go take care of myself and I've got the freedom to do that I'm gonna make that choice and you know what it might mean that somebody says oh dude where are you going you fucking me, me, me. but it's it's that's what's in alignment with you right is that what I'm hearing yeah for sure yeah okay um, okay. let's talk about love of <laughs> the four. I, I sh- shared this one for last. Like, how is this all connected? What is that? What does this mean to you? What does it mean when you're talking about it? When we're talking about love, which is essentially on one level, it's self love, right? So a lot of us are seeking self love through significance. How special can I be? How unique can I be? How much better can I be from these others? There's, there's a lot of us that are hoping to get this itch scratched by being, quote, successful, king of some anthill somewhere and say, wow, look at this guy. And our social media, you know, celebrates this stuff and we tend to put people on pedestals and we create these shiny bullshit facades. When I'm talking about love, I'm saying what's really underneath that, which is our deep, deep, deep ingrained desire to belong and be connected to others. You got to think about how screwed up it is that the worst thing we can do to a person in a prison other than torture them physically is to put them in solitary confinement. 
we're so wired to be with one another. I saw Joe Rogan's comedy special recently. He's like, how, how messed up is it? Like, it's cruel to take you away from other murderers and rapists. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, like, that's sure. cruel. Right? Like, we're going we're gonna to go take you away from the murderers and rapists and, and psychopaths <laughs> on the planet and go stick you in this room somewhere. It's like, wow, that's what a dickhead move, right? So we're so ingrained, and it's such a primitive part of our wiring to be with one another. But then we've got all these defenses where we contort ourselves and we screw it up and we actually aren't able to connect. We're not able to see one another and say, wow, I really get what you're about and I really, you know, you're showing me who you are instead of this bullshit facade and I, I really like you. I really care about you. That part is, we're so hungry for that. We're just so hungry to be accepted for who we really are, not for the facade. So the more we're running away from who we are, the more that we're trying to project this thing. I'm sure if you look around, you see a lot of jackasses like trying to convince us and you're like, wow, what's that guy trying to prove? But he's, he's, it's all, he just wants to be long. He just wants to be loved. Look around and look at all the people trying so hard to be loved and accepted. Even if they seem to be isolating themselves, it's because they still want to be loved and accepted. And it's just really scary. So I think deep down is that desire to be loved and accepted, to belong, whether it's to a other pack of good men, to have a special woman in your life that really cares for you and loves you. Nobody wants to be in a situation and then feel like they're on the defense the whole time, which is like, well, I can't say this and I can't do that or else I will get kicked out. I won't be able to be a part of this anymore. We ultimately want to say, you know what? I get to be all of me here and I'm still going to be loved and I'm still going to be accepted. It goes all the way back to getting popped out of your mommy, laying right on that breast and sucking on that boob and just being like, yes, everything is okay. Everything's great. I'm loved. I'm held. I'm safe. That doesn't go away. We just have these really kind of fucked up ways. We're trying to still get back to that, that, that feeling of wholeness and connection. I had a really, I think it was a great conversation with a buddy of mine the other day. And we we're talking about how I was talking about a relationship I had with a really amazing girl, but I was just really fucked up at the time. And I need to do a like, lot of like drunk or no, was... no, not fucked up like that. Like emotionally, I was like dealing with some traumas and I hadn't released them. I didn't know how to release them. And so I was creating lots of walls, physical walls, emotional walls, like psychological walls. And it wasn't until after we broke up that I said, I don't really ever want to fucking do this again. Like, I don't want to do this to her. I don't want to do this to myself. This sucks. And so I started doing research and reaching out and finding ways to, to release these traumas so that I could be, as I described, be present and be vulnerable and, uh, and live on that line that I wanted to live on. But I went back to a relationship and at some point we started seeing each other again and she started shut down and some of that was probably might've been residue, but I think a lot of it was just her own traumas and that she didn't know how to release or wasn't ready to talk about it. It wasn't a place to, to release. And and I, and I realized afterwards, I couldn't feel them until I was clear. And once I was clear, I could, I could feel them. And uh, I tried to talk to her, she would shut down. Take, like if I tried to talk to her about how I was feeling, she would take on that emotion. <laughs> and and um, even something like love, right? Like to tell, I told her I loved her. And I think that she felt like an obligation, like she needed to tell me she loved me back. And I don't know if she quite understood that. Like, no, this is... This is just a warmth, like a light I'm shining on you. I don't expect anything back. And so I had this conversation the day with a close friend of mine, and he was talking about how he went through a spiritual transformation where he really began to open up and become conscious. And he didn't have sex for a while, and then he had sex with a couple girls, and both of them, he was really open, and they just shut down. And 
um, they couldn't go there. And and then he talked about how he was with a third girl and, and he said it was really painful for him. And he was with a third girl and she she started to shut down too. And he found himself starting to shut down. And then he caught himself and opened himself back up again. And he goes, she did something a little different. He goes, he, she saw me again. And the next time she saw me, it was a little easier for her to that I was that present. And the time after that, it was a little easier that I was that present. And and as we talked the, talk this through, he said it evolved into the best relationship of his life. And she said it was the best relationship of her life. And then they end up having to move. Uh, she moved because of like work stuff and who knows whether or not that picks up again. But she was willing to sort of sit there and, and explore it. Or she was in a place where she felt like she could explore it. And what we talked about was a couple things. Um, one, we talked about how, and, I, and this, I would love your thoughts. We talked about how a lot of people are dealing with traumas or they're dealing with issues. They're responding to the voice in their head about either expectations for the future or responding to narratives in their head about the past. And they haven't released these traumas. They don't know how to quiet that voice in their head. They're not present. And so they feel more comfortable in interactions or relationships where people are shut down. Um, that was one thing that came up. And the second thing that came up is I was talking about talking to him about how I came back to this relationship so so much more emotionally open. Maybe five years from now, I'll have a different perspective on it, but I feel pretty clear. And and how it reminds me a lot of what I was like when I was in my late teens, early 20s, before I'd shut down. And I had shut down because I had realized that the same thing, that, that people seem to respond better, women responded better in certain situations where I, was, I wasn't fully present. So I don't know, does this, any of this stuff bring up anything for you? For sure. You think about it. We're, we're kids. I've got a daughter. She's eight years old, right? And I'm watching her as she gets older. And I'm, you know, when she's really young, I mean, just heart on her sleeve, walk up to anybody in the uh, playground, will you be my friend? You know, like just yeah. completely vulnerable. <laughs> just like, and I'm, I'm just like, oh my God. You know, and it's just, you know, it's just like completely, you know, yeah. it's just tough. And then as we get older, though, we become armored. And we get hit. We take knocks. It's just it just happens. There's no getting out of this alive. And we get we take some hits and we get knocked around. And that all informs the story that we have about love. It informs the story we have about other people. And so if we've been hurt, then it's like, well, shit, I'm not going to go through that again. So I'm going to develop a defense. And what we often find most of the time, 99.9% of the time, is that we're responding to each other's armor. We're not responding to the person. We're completely talking and interacting with their facade, their persona, and we're bringing ours. So if you think that health attracts health, right? If you're criticizing somebody you're hanging out with, be like, man, this guy's really fucked up. I was like, well, why are you hanging out with them, right? You've got to look at your own health and realize that there's a reason why you're choosing one another is because you're at a certain level of health with one another. It doesn't mean that you're, it's bad or wrong. It just means that that's where you're comfortable. Okay, I feel safe here. I know this person's not going to bring up these topics. I know this person is not going to challenge me in this way. I know this person is not going to challenge my vulnerability. Cool. We can hang out here. We may be complete like castles to one another with moats and huge spires of concrete and, and, and rock and we're not going to actually connect at all. Or we can start to learn how to dismantle some of those defenses and have a more satisfying interaction. But we're navigating those defenses a lot. And so it's helpful to just go through the world and just say, wow, well, what's this person's defenses like? Right. And who are they really underneath there? 
And you can just get curious We've, because, it, we, A, we all have our defenses. I've got mine right now. We're, you've got yours. Like we're just all, we're always kind of wearing our armor. And then there's points where we can just start to let them go a bit. And it's like, well, can I be here? Can I be loved here too? Can I feel safe here too? And that's where we start to find more of these rewarding relationships and more of the rewarding interactions instead of, yeah, I got a best friend. We get together every Sunday and sit on the couch next to each other and fart and watch NFL. <laughs> like they don't have any conversations. They don't really know anything about what's going on with each other. But that's that kind of like that's their quote friendship, which is a lot different than what's this guy's dreams? What's he really want to do before he dies? What's the what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to him? You start to get curious, like who are you really? And less of us a know how to do that stuff, and b are just we're just scared. We're scared to go there. I hear you. In the, in this relationship, I when I first realized we first broke up, and I realized how fucked up I was. I, it made put me on a mission to make all these changes, and then I became conscious. I could feel her traumas, and she couldn't open up about them. And and I just realized that she was either incapable of like if this was a tennis match, she was incapable of either hitting the ball back. Or she just wasn't interested in going there right now. She wasn't in a place where she could. And and the reason why I'm sharing this and the reason why I share a lot of the stuff that I share on these podcasts is because I hope that it resonates with somebody. Maybe it makes them a little more. It gives them a vocabulary to think about a relationship in their life. And and maybe there's some wisdom there (laughs) that they can utilize. And and, uh, But I realized like she felt disconnected from me, which is the reason why we broke up. And so there's like that irony there, right? She she was in that relationship uh, because she felt safe uh, because we weren't going to certain places uh, but she also felt disconnected and she knew that was wrong and then I came back I came back ready to connect and it was clear that what was left was at least it was clear to me I don't know about her I don't think it's quite as clear to her but what was clear to me was what was left was the walls that she was putting up whether like I said whether that's residue of our previous relationship or I, I I actually think it's stuff that goes way deeper and that was way before I ever appeared in her life and um yeah I, I'm saying that because I I definitely hear what you're saying and and uh, I don't think men talk about this stuff enough which is why I brought it up <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah, I, I want to just speak to it's 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 uh, it can be a temptation as we get into personal growth to suddenly uh want to judge others who are still kind of in their level of shit, right? There's there's other people that would come along and be like, God, this guy Christopher is a fucking nutcase, right? Like <laughs> they, from their perspective, they they see your contractions, right? So mm, yeah, I just say it's like watch out, let's watch out and not make it. And I don't I don't hear you doing this. This is more just a just to to speak it. You know, as we grow, it's just easier to kind of look back and want to criticize others. And I just like the, to appreciate just appreciate where they are and like wow, that's where they are in this moment. Um, I mean, I'm I'm talking about the things that I observed, but I'm definitely not critical. I, yeah, uh, I still love and admire her in so many different ways. I just realized that, like the tennis game, you just either sometimes somebody either can't hit the ball back because of whatever reason, or sometimes they're not willing to, and that's okay. And right? I think and I, so, I think we can get stuck in relationships for who we want that person to be instead of who they are. Sure. And this is like, well, this is who they are, and what if they never changed? Okay, well then I'm, I'm moving on. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm incredibly grateful for that relationship. I can attribute so many awesome things in my life that have come, come out of it. But I wanted, I wanted to, uh, even though I was talking about some of the realizations I made, I wanted to make it very clear that, yeah, I, I have nothing but love for that woman and gratitude, but you have to, 
when there's a rock in the road, you have to recognize there's a rock. <laughs> it, it, it made me think of uh, something else. There's these African statues in New York City at, at the Met, and they have these nails coming out of them. Have you ever seen these before? Uh-uh. So I remember being with a friend of mine who was a literature professor at Columbia, and after I dropped out of school, um, she took me there, and we're walking through, and she described what they were because I never knew, and they're these statues that that have these nails um, coming coming out of them. And the idea is that each nail represents a trauma, or at least the way she described it to me. Each nail becomes a trauma, and those traumas become our armor. I think that's really profound. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. So Trip, we're getting towards the end of our time. Is there anything else you really want to talk about or share with the audience? The topics we discussed today are big on my mind. They're they're front and center for me because I'm writing a book about it. So feel good about what we talked about today. Feels good. Awesome, Trip. This has been incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been a pleasure. And if you're listening to this, you want to learn more about Trip and everything that he does, we're going to post some links on the Craft Christmas website and within the description of this podcast so that you can find out about him more easily. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks, Christopher. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, Go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.